You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing well. I am back after a couple of days off. I'm Jake. That is, as he says, the brown bear in the chair himself, Brian Brown. Brian, what is up, my friend? How was your weekend? It was good, Jake, but it was with an eye ahead to to today where we would be reunited because it feels so good. <laughs> Okay. I, I can dig. I can dig. Well, appreciate you covering for me for a couple of days so I could go uh, be part of my sister's wedding. Uh, she's off on her honeymoon now, and I am back to talk all things Utah. We're going to recap another tough loss for the Utah basketball program. Looked like for a time there, they had Oregon on the ropes, but the Ducks prevail in the end. Another close but no cigar game for Larry Kraskoviak's team. We'll talk about that, some of the ramifications of that loss. And hey, it's the national championship game game in college football. So why not why don't we take a look at the final game of the 2020 season? That's all ahead on today's show. Our title sponsor today is Brian, your favorite company, Built Bar. Got my shipment this weekend. You and me Cracked both. into it yesterday. Took my immunity boost this morning. Mm-hmm. Can you feel the energy, Jake? <laughs> I can feel it. Uh, the title sponsor today is Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Save yourself twenty percent on your next order. We love that company. So, without further ado, let's break into it. That's kind of the roadmap of where we're going today. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for January eleventh, twenty twenty one. I'm Jay Catch. That is Brian Brown. We both work at the Zone Sports Network, and we make up your tandem of co-hosts that host this daily podcast focused on all things Utah football, basketball. We got a lot to talk about, Brian. We need to talk about the Red Rocks. They dominated in the state of Utah. Or what would they call it? Is it the best of Utah? Is that what the meet was this weekend for the Red Rocks in gymnastics? Is that at the Maverick Center? Another, yeah, Rio Tinto, yeah. best of Utah, best and they have Utah. a cup, a Copper Cup. Yeah, the Copper Cup. That. Uh, Utah retained it for the second year running. Not all that surprising, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But we want to remind you guys, this is a daily podcast. Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button and join us each and every day because we like to talk Utah with you guys, and we want to make you guys the smartest Utah fans around. That way, the, the way that you do it, I guess is what I should say, Brian, is that you hit that follow or subscribe button and you join us every day, and you'll be surprised at how smart you are when it comes to talking with your family and friends who are Ute fans. I'll kind of be like, wow, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. And you know what? We'll be your secret weapon. We'll be in your back pocket helping you out with that. Sound like a plan? That's what I'm here for, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian. Well, let's talk uh, first off about another tough loss for Utah basketball. Uh, I felt Utah like Utah basketball. Does I, that even exist? Okay. Well, in some, some fans minds, they kind of want to blot it out. I completely understand that. Uh, if you watch the first half though, of that game against number 17, Oregon as a Utah fan, you're sitting there saying, Hey, Maybe Larry Kriskoviak's team is breaking through here. Maybe they figured some things out. Then the second half started, and it seemed just to fritter away in the wind. 
they were playing with momentum and confidence. It was a team that was moving the ball. They were moving around on offense. They were playing within their rotations on defense. And Oregon came out and ratcheted up the tempo. And Utah did not stick with them. And they ended up losing that game. Lost a 10-point lead that they had at halftime. We saw, again, in insistence to let kids play through. Sure situations where I just, and and maybe some of this is on me for watching too much NBA basketball. It's there's no, there's not a lot of isolation play for the Utes. They're always in their sets. If they're not moving in their sets, then they're not getting good shots. And they only have a few really good shot creators. We've seen Riley, uh, Riley Jones still continue to struggle, Mm -hmm. you know, um, he needs to be more dominant in terms of, getting his own shot, you know, being a little bit more selfish with the ball. We can get into it. This was a team. We saw a lot of different things happen this game, right? Like Larry, Larry, Chris Goviak shortened the rotation. Yes. Change the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. We're seeing some inconsistent play from Pella Larson. Mickey Yantunen had a breakout game, but then towards the end kind of tapered off. The rotation is definitely not settled. It didn't look fluid at all. Like guys were playing for long stretches. And so it really wasn't, but all that being said, they were still right in it against a ranked Oregon team. Who's really good. And I don't know that they're great at basketball necessarily, but they're long, they're athletic. They're incredibly quick. They fit. Dana Altman's style perfectly and Utah hung with them for a little bit. It was just at the end, it was turnovers and just the inconsistent play and the lack of, I don't want to say energy because I think they did bring some energy, but it just, the, the effort that they put in towards the end in the offense was just kind of missing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It was missing. There's no doubt about that. And this was a game you felt like Brian was another one that was a tell of two halves. And we've been saying that a lot this year. Utah is now on a three game slot. They got a quick turnaround here, though. They do face off against Colorado this afternoon at the Huntsman Center. It's going to be a busy week. It's going to be all told, Brian, it's going to be four games in seven days, give or take a little bit. Maybe eight days is probably the more technical term, but going to be a strong run here for Utah. And the hope is that they don't get too downtrodden over another one of those games where you felt like it slipped away from you in the second half. Uh, Colorado is eight and three coming into this game today. Day, but you're right. They hung with Oregon, who is nine and two, nationally ranked team, and it just felt like in the second half, what Utah had done in the first half, they kind of went away from it. You're right. There was some inconsistent play from guys like Mickey Yontanen. Uh, Pella Larson ended up uh, uh, tapering off in the end as well. But I, I just look at this game and think, you know what? Utah's not that far off. It seems like. But the problem is, Brian, we keep talking about the fact that we feel like they're not far off, and we've been talking about that seemingly for years now. Does that make sense? It, it does, and it's it's the same issues, but not, right? Sure. Like Utah still is just not long enough up front in the, the front court, and, and Brandon Carlson getting sent to the bench seemed to jumpstart him a little bit. He had some good defensive plays, but still inconsistent again. And uh, I know I shouldn't say that. I I believe that Alfonso Plummer probably wasn't thrilled about having to go back to the bench. Yeah. But he was absolutely electric in that game with his passing. He was getting guys involved. And and so that's seems to be the issue with this team is that where we talk so much about the football team being family and being cohesive and and so together and, and playing connected, this team has not been that for uh, really since the year that they went to the NIT mm-hmm. uh, championship 
championship game. They, they've not had a team that was really well connected. And I don't know. I think some of that is just leadership. They lack leadership. And, and I know that Timmy Allen is a guy that, that is trying to fill that role. But leadership is not always something that, that can be filled just because somebody wants to do it. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And by the way, we should congratulate Timmy Allen. Crossed the 1,000-point plateau as a Ute. I believe he's the 40th Ute all-time to reach that plateau. And I, it's even smaller group to do it as, as a junior. So he's accomplished something that not, not many people in the history of Utah basketball, and we're going back a long ways in that history, that not many guys have accomplished. So congratulations to him on that. But you're right. He's trying to fill a void in terms of being that leader as a junior. But it just, man. I don't know how much more I can say about close but no cigar, but that's really what it seems like for this Utah team. And I don't know what it will take to get Utah over the top or even if they can get over the top at this point. I just wonder at some point if the if it's there's going to be a straw that breaks the camel's back for this program. They're really just going to tell tell off on us. And that's what I worry about. Yeah, I'm right there with you. you. You have to wonder how long some of these guys can endure through the struggles. And we talk about Timmy Allen. He was phenomenal in the first half. Mm-hmm. But I tweeted out, you know, Amber alert, Timmy Allen missing. <laughs> if you see him driving the lane and, and and playing aggressively, please report to the John M. Huntsman Center. And jokes aside, it just – it was – Odd to see. This is the part where it gets concerning, right? Because we really haven't. We've seen Larry Kriskoviak team struggle. We've seen him have ups and downs, mm-hmm. but they've typically fought through. And this team didn't really have a ton of will in that direction. And I think some of it is, I said Riley Jones earlier. I mean, Ryland Jones, he really is the focal point for me. Right. Sure. Like, like, like he is the starter of the offense. If you're going to run the system, he's got to be aggressive. He's got to put his imprint on the game. He's He's got to really take charge of it. And, and I think he has the ability to, I, I really do. I, he definitely has the acumen, but if it's not him, then it's got to be Pella Larson. Yeah. Timmy Allen is not the guy who, who needs to be the takeover artist for this team. And whoever it is that decides to do that is going to be the one that will have to be the, the quote on the de facto leader for this yeah. basketball team. And the problem that you're getting into right now, like you said, you've got a four game stretch. And I, I guess for me, it, it's a little different because I interacted with Utah fans. and I, I know the frustrations for somebody who's kind of coming at it from a different angle is you look at this four game stretch. Do you think that's a good thing for this team right now that they have all these games in a row? Uh, man, it's both a blessing and a curse because this stretch here could make or break this team. And it feels like this loss, you can't allow it to snowball because you have Colorado here this afternoon. Then you have the games against the Bay Area schools this coming Thursday and on Saturday. Uh, if I've got the schedule right, I might be off by a day on that. But regardless, this stretch is going to tell us a lot about this team. I think today's game, let's be honest. Colorado upset Oregon. So this is a good Colorado team you're facing off against. The Bay Area schools, Stanford has been decent this year, not spectacular. And Cal still feels like, to me, they're very much in rebuild mode and still trying to figure things out on their in their own right. But the, the stretch here, if Utah can pick up, if they can split this week, I guess we'll use it, call it a week. If you can go two and two this week, it'll tell me that this team has got more fight to them than what I thought that they had if that makes sense. If they can split them. If you go 0-4, well, maybe that straw has finally hit and that the camel's back has been broken. 
And I think that's how you're going to sell it as a coaching staff is we've got a four game home stand. Yeah. We dropped the first one. It was a competitive affair. And if you remove the emotions, it actually was a pretty good game for the university sure. of Utah. They just turned it over late. And and sometimes with an, inexp- I keep saying young and I don't know if that's really the right word for this team, but really they are still pretty young. A lot experience. of freshmen and sophomores experience. That's, that's, yes. the, that's the technical term that we should, I guess we should lean on yeah. there. And that's, the, yeah, that is actually, that's an absolutely very valid point. Uh, Brian, one thing we need to get to, and this is a conversation that you and I are both really reticent to talk about it, but it is a major topic on social media. And that's the, with regards to the future of Larry Kraskovic as the head coach of this program. I want to dive into that a little bit and what all that would entail kind of let people know hey it's much hard it's much simpler to say fire larry kriskoviak or move on from larry kriskoviak than to actually have it happen in reality and we'll discuss that here in just a moment before we do that though we do need to have a discussion though about our good friends at betonline.ag you and i are both big fans of this company there is one place that we trust to place our sports betting with this podcast and that is betonline.ag tell them why brian it's everything that you get out of the betonline ag experience you've got customization in terms of the bets that you want to place the ability to get a custom line. If you have some remote division three game that you've decided that you've got to lock on uh-huh. it's, it's the extensive customer service. It's everything that they offer in addition to the real crown jewel, which is that 50% welcome bonus you get when you enter in that locked on promo code. Yeah. So what you need to do is go to betonline.ag, sign up for your account. That's actually free. You don't have to pay anything to sign up for your account. But when you make your first deposit, as Brian said, use the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. It's free money to bet with folks. We all love free money. We're all talking about stimulus and getting our stimmy and everything going on on social media. Well, guess what? Get a stimulus in essence from our good friends at betonline.ag. It's real simple. Go to betonline.ag, sign up for that free account, use that promo code locked on when you make that first deposit and 50% will be deposited into your account as a welcome bonus. We trust betonline.ag. We trust you guys will give them an opportunity as well. That's betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Brian, this is a topic that I am very, um, can I say uncomfortable with? (laughs) I guess that's flack for lack of a better term. But on social media, there are a lot of people out there saying, you know what? Larry Kriskoviak's time at Utah needs to be over. And there's a lot of people saying fire Larry Kriskoviak. And the the bigger question is, is when for, I think for most people versus should he be fired? But I think it's much simpler, as I said just a minute ago, to say fire Larry Kriskoviak than it actually is to look at the nuts and bolts and what all it would entail to actually move on and find a new coach and reset essentially the program after nearly a decade under one coach's tenure. Yeah, our, our job is not to say whether you should fire or hire somebody, right? Our sure. job is to analyze, to give people in-depth analysis as to what's, what's what the program is facing and then 
if you want to take your opinion and run with it, that's fine. Personally, I'm not one who ever likes to sit here and say, oh, that person over there that's in the arena is doing a poor job. Get them out of there Mm -hmm. when I've never done it myself. Right. But there are things that we can point out with this situation. And I think where we've gotten to is that it's not so much about whether or not Larry Kraskoviak is a good coach anymore. I think most people have decided that that's that he's simply not. I disagree. I do think he's a good coach, but I think we see all the time that good coaches run into scenarios and situations that build up and become insurmountable. And once that jury has left out, Gus Malzahn is a great example at Auburn, right? Mm -hmm. He's not a bad coach. You don't beat Nick Saban twice and, and, present yourself as a bad football coach, you right? You don't average nine wins a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At Auburn. yeah. Like, like this is not like you're at a powerhouse here. Right. And then you, you say that Auburn fans and they'll bristle and take their shirts off and try to fight you. But that's why we love Auburn fans, you know, yeah. and, and thankfully nobody is out in the streets right now trying to, uh, trying to, you know, de-shirt me and, 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 and settle this by fisticuffs. But what, what I think you need to take a look at is, is what are the realistic hurdles that the program is facing. And, and if you do think that it is a coaching problem and, and that it, like you said, it's been a decade and, and the program has, has never really found footing after the DeLon Wright era that it needed to. So, so if you do make a change, what are the issues that face it? And I think the biggest one to look at right now is, is recruiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a massive one right there because you and I both know because we cover college football. Uh, we do this daily for our jobs. We all know that when a coaching change takes place, guess what? It disrupts recruiting because you have recruits who are being recruited by by a, the former staff. And this goes across all sports. You have a new staff come in and they have a list of the guys that the former staff was recruiting. And they're going to go down that list and say, okay, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And they really have to just start from scratch because these Recruits don't know this staff. These this staff, new staff doesn't know these recruits, and you're starting from square one. And many recruits, once that happens, they sign, they they write you off and say, you know what, I'm going with something that I know. Maybe this other program, I've known this coach, and they've been recruiting me hard. I'm going with that. That is an absolutely massive one. One that I also wanted to talk about and mention as well, with regards to the current circumstance in college athletics, is the simple fact of the buyout. We're talking millions of dollars here, and we've already heard from Mark. Harlan and the numbers are probably different now than they were when he talked about this, but he forecasted a 50 to $60 million loss. That was before football actually played games this fall. So the hit may not be as severe, but we're talking millions upon millions of dollars on top of an already uh, running, you're running in the red here for the athletic department. How much more money can they put themselves into debt here to potentially buy out this staff and Larry Kraskoviak? That's another topic. It's a it's a really important issue, and we talked on Friday about how the football program is the revenue generator for the University of Utah Athletic Department. Now, the good news is, is that a lot of the early money that they were spending to upgrade facilities and, and things of that nature has already been uh, taken care of, right? Sure. Like, as soon as they finish the golf facility, they'll kind of be done with that. The, the south end zone is a different beast entirely, and, and that will be taken care of through ticket sales and, and, and whatnot. And, and obviously, the Garf donation gift that was, which was yeah. big. Uh, I, I don't know that that's really what's going to be a problem is, is that you're going to lose about 15 to $20 million this year in ticket sales. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a lot of people are carrying over their, 
their donations or their, their ticket money into 2021. And so you may have the money this year, but it's next year where it gets a little bit dicey. And if it's around $7 million right now. Okay. So really where you're at is, is can you afford to leverage the buyout along with whatever a new coach is going to cost? Sure. And this is the power five level. I know that power five level in basketball is a little different than power five in football in terms of the overall money and whatnot, but you're still talking about, yes, you're going to have to pay a buyout. They're going to have to spend millions to bring in a new staff. And not to mention just the fact that you have two players right now on this roster, Brian, who are sons of assistant coaches who would in theory be part of the outgoing staff. How would that affect both Ian Martinez and Ryland Jones? There are so many questions with regards to a move of this of this like level that I don't envy Mark Harlan right now because this is the type of stuff that he has to weigh as he tries to make a decision on it, whether it's time. Yeah, it's time. We need to move on from Larry Kriskoviak or, Hey, we're going to give him another year here to hopefully sort things out. It is not an easy answer. And there's, there are even more questions than we haven't even answered in this short time so far. No, we haven't. And then the blanket waiver comes up because it would be super easy for both of those players to transfer out. And the reference point that was made to me earlier was, well, look at what BYU's done with Mark Pope. And that's fine. If you can find a coach that's in state <laughs> yeah. that has players that he can bring with them that can compete at this level, that's a great bonus. But that's the real the realistic part of that is, is just kind of missing. You know, the, the candidate that comes to mind, if you were to make a move would be Alex Jensen, right? Sure. He would be a natural carryover, knows the state, great basketball mind, you know, played during the glory era of Majerus. Lead how much money would it, jazz. Yeah. Yeah. It, and how much money does it take to get him over? What's it going to take for him to get recruiting going? And, and so if you're going to make these changes, there's all these factors to consider, you know, and, so if you do make that move, for example, and I, I do think that he would be a great addition to the program, he's going to cost money. Yes. You know, he, he's a first time head coach, but it's probably going to be about two, three million dollars, give or take. Um, maybe he does take a discount because it's not his first time. But the other thing that he can say is like, I can be with the jazz for the next decade. Nobody's pushing me out the door here. And he's also he's also on an inside track to a head coaching job in the NBA at some point here soon. I, Absolutely. I, and I, that's that's I, I, I know people you and I, we work for the Zone Sports Network. We work for the Utah jazz there are conversations that go on all the time and alex jensen is very very highly thought of in nba circles so he is and he probably would have left now if it wasn't for the fact that i think he wants to be with the jazz and wants to stay in utah right he likes where he's at this is his home state he can live up there in the bountiful area where he lives currently he went to viewmont high school it's Mm -hmm. home for him there's there's something that he said for being being home that that, that's the big thing about it uh one final thing brian with regards to that is um you know me i cover byu why not go hire Mark Pope? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Like the one guy that Utah needs this year is Caleb Loner. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, yep. it, that hurts to say, but man, like the one thing you need is an athletic front court guy who can rebound. And what's he been doing for BYU? He's an athletic front court rebounder. Hey, there you go. Bingo. That's what they need. So, Hey, yeah, make a, maybe co- make a call down to Mark Pope. I know he just signed an extension down there in Provo, but this is power five money. Who knows? You may, you may have a conversation with that. I mean, we'll discuss this more as we get through the rest of the season. The hope is here, by the way, I think Brian and I both want to reiterate. We're hopeful that they get things turned around because 
I agree. Larry Kraskoviak is a good basketball coach. I have never thought he was a bad basketball coach. But as you said, there just comes times, it feels like, with programs that eventually there's a point of no return and you don't want to get past that. And who knows if they've made it there or if they're nearing that with regards to the Utah basketball program. And I think it's important as they go into this four-game home stretch to keep those kinds of thoughts in mind as you're watching this and evaluating as a fan. Our goal here is to be your one-stop shop, so to speak, for Utah News. But we also want to educate and inform you so that you can make yeah. your own analysis. That's part of the fun of sports, right? We all want to be the GM. We all want to be the AD. We all want to be the coach. Like, <laughs> there's no point in being around the bush here. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. so as you watch this game, think to yourself, like, is this, is it really, am I emotionally compromised because my, my expectations are not being met? Or as I'm watching this, am I really seeing the reality of what's going on with this program? That's a very good question. People have to weigh that for themselves. And like I said, we'll continue this conversation over over the coming days and weeks. The basketball season is still relatively young. So a couple of months here of conference play, fingers crossed, and also postseason play, et cetera. And we'll see what happens with Larry Kriskoviak and this program. All right, Brian, uh, we'll wrap things up here on a Monday edition of the show. We do need to take a look at some football. The college football playoff national championship game is tonight. Ohio State taking on Alabama. We'll talk about that, give you some of our thoughts on that game as the college football season comes to a close for 2020. We'll get to that here in just a moment, but let's take a minute, Brian, and talk about something that you and I both received over the weekend, and that is a brand new shipment of Built Bars. It was like Christmas all over again. I, I, I couldn't wait. As soon as I got home and started on the patio, grabbed the box, ripped it open, <laughs> opened up my, my mix pack, saw the carrot cake was in there, just did a little goofy dance. And, and people are like, why would you do that? But the reality is, is that I, I love Bill Barr. It, it is just, it is a, it is a reward. It is a healthy snack. It is just the perfect um, bridge, you know, in those days when you're hungry or, or you're feeling lethargic and you just need a little jump start but you don't want to hit the caffeine uh, it, it, and so t- to get that winning on the patio it was just you know, I'm going to write about it in my journal tonight. I'm not even going to lie. There you go. You're a journal man. I like that. Uh, but check it out, guys. Built Bar, 18 unique flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. Brian and I both got brand new shipments over the weekend. I actually had one for breakfast yesterday. I'll be having another one here shortly for breakfast today. I absolutely love Built Bars. I'm with Brian. We can endorse them 100% because they're phenomenal, soft and easy to chew. And they're not kidding. They taste like a candy bar, but it is a protein bar. It has all the health benefits of what you're looking for. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, folks. Use the promo code LOCKEDON when you're there. Save yourself 20% on your first order. You can order that mix pack like Brian and I received over the weekend, or you can customize a box for yourself. They will work with you guys and make sure that you have the best experience possible. So once again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, save yourself 20% on your next order, and enjoy the best tasting protein bars anywhere with Built Bar. All right, Brian, the 2020 college football season, in some people's eyes, mercifully comes to a close tonight as the college football playoff national championship championship game takes place. We have got number one Alabama against number three Ohio State. Surprise, surprise, the teams that seem to be there every year facing off for all the marbles once again. 
it's bizarre, Jake. I can't imagine that the top five teams that recruit top five classes every year end up in the national championship. It must all be rigged, right? It's rigged. Yes, that's what we're going yeah. with. It's, it's rigged. That's 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 the topic right there. And there's no doubt about it. You recruit at a high level, obviously, you're going to have a chance to win the national title. And this is a game I feel like that you have a almost it's almost a Goliath versus David thing for me because Alabama has been so good all year long and they have played so many games and they've just absolutely dominated everybody they have faced by and large whereas Ohio State going into that college football playoff semifinal I think a lot of people thought they were a paper tiger and they came out an absolutely flexed muscle against a heavily favored Clemson team so I'm not going to put it past Ohio State to hang with Alabama but I'm going to be on a straight up front if the Crimson Tide don't win the national title I'll be stunned I will too and I think a lot of it is just that they are so deep in in the places I think that they need to be specifically Jalen Waddle will be returning at the wide receiver position yep. it sounds like in addition to Heisman winner Devontae Smith their offensive line won the Joe Moore award for best offensive line in the country and if you watch a game it's super easy to see why and then you add all that Mac Jones who is the penultimate game manager he's not he he's not a playmaker like a Lamar Jackson or a Johnny Manziel, but he can stand back there. He can make all the throws. He's excellent in the pocket. He can take a hit. And then you add to that Najee Harris, who's probably one of the best running backs in the country, if not the best. They had a trio of Heisman finalists right there. Think about that. (laughs) With Devontae Smith, who won it, Mac Jones, who finished third, if I'm not mistaken, and Najee Harris, was he fourth or fifth in the voting? And I think he was fourth. Fourth. So, just think about that. Three of the top four players in college football, according to the media and all the people who vote for the Heisman, the, the hundreds of people who vote for it, all take up residence in Tuscaloosa. This is a dominant program. This is a team that in a normal year still, I think, is a heavily favored team to win it all. And and to to, to go to the other side of the, the matchup, Ohio State showed us some things that we really didn't see coming against Clemson. We didn't know that Ohio State's defensive line was going to be that strong. Mm-hmm. Their secondary has been a little suspect this year at times. Trey Sermon really emerged as a force, and that was a little bit unexpected. We don't know how healthy Justin Fields is going to be. We knew that Ohio State had a great wide receiver core. I think Chris Olave is probably one of the most overlooked college football players in the country. He's definitely one of my favorites to watch. He always was, you know, big special teams guy. I love those kinds of guys who are willing to go make an impact on the on the third aspect of the game. But when you break down this matchup and and go individually, it's the Ohio state offensive line against a very good Alabama defensive front. I think Ohio state can beat them up front on the flip side of that. I don't know that Ohio state's defensive line can have the same kind of impact that it had on the Alabama offensive line, like it did with Clemson. Right. Yeah. And then the, the next part about it is, is that it's not just that wide receiver group from Clemson was good. But I don't know that you can run the same kind of scheme against Alabama and everything that they can do. They're so multidimensional offensively. And and that's where it comes down to is is which team really is going to put up the most points. What a shocker. 
Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoy the national championship game. And although a lot of people that get upset that it seems like either it's Clemson or it's Alabama or Ohio State or a mixture of all three in this game annually. But hey, when you recruit at the level that they recruit at, you're going to be in the mix every year. And I look forward to high level play. And that's what I'm hoping for tonight. And I think both of these teams have got plenty of weapons on both sides. Here's hoping it's a, it's a classic and we get to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, and, and these are two of the best coaches in the game right now. Ryan Day is still an up-and-comer, but he's proven his value. I also think this Ohio State team has something to prove. I, I yeah. think they're really playing with a chip on their shoulder, and if you've got guys who are healthy and if they can overcome the issues that they've had with COVID, it should be a really good game. I just think that at certain positions, Alabama has some dudes that if they play at the top of their game, it's going to be really hard for Ohio State to overcome that. Absolutely. So enjoy that game tonight. Uh, you can watch some Utah basketball ahead of that game, a four o'clock tip at the Huntsman Center for Utah and Colorado. So you can have a nice double header for yourself on a Monday evening with regards to both college hoops and college football. We'll be back tomorrow breaking down whatever happens in that Utah Colorado basketball game. We'll also share some thoughts on the college football playoff game. And there's plenty more this week. We went, we're in four basketball games in a week's time, Brian. It's going to keep us hopping. We'll have plenty of topics with that. We'll also start breaking down some Utah football stuff. I want to start taking a look back at 2020 for different position groups and a look ahead to 2021. We didn't even touch on the fact that, by the way, Devin Lloyd's coming back for another year. That's a topic we need to discuss at some point this week. So we've got plenty for you guys. So make sure to follow the show on social media at Locked On Utes on Twitter. Follow Brian at Brown Bear SLC. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that as well at Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, email the show. You can do that as well. Locked On Utes at gmail.com. Brian, any final thoughts from you as you wrap this up? Thank you, Utah fans, for everything. Remember, subscribe, rate, review, five stars only. And let's let's make Utah sports great again. Oh, wow. Hey, look at you. you are you going to get us canceled here in 2021, Brian? <laughs> Be careful with that slogan. All right, that'll do it. Have a great day. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for January 11th, 2021. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>